Good morning. Uh, This morning we are continuing the sermon series that we've been in for a few weeks now. Uh, We are talking about the five core values for the Gwinnett Church of Christ. Uh, This is something our leadership team came together and over the course of several months have come up with these five things. Uh, Obviously, these values are not exhaustive. Uh, We believe in a lot more things than just these five, but these five particular values are part of what we think makes us unique as a church. Uh, These are what makes us special. This is what makes us tick. This is part of our DNA. And so as we continue to grow as a church, as we continue to reach out to the community around us, the world around us, uh, these are the things that we want to make sure don't change. Okay, this is our anchor. This is who we are. Right, and ultimately, uh, this is about growth. We don't want to be a church that gets soft and complacent. Uh, We don't want to do what so many churches do where they have kind of their life cycle and they enter this inevitable decline. No, we want to continue to have a vision for our future. We want to continue to be intentional about both who we are and where we're going. Uh, To be bottom line, we think God has big plans for us, and we want to lean into that. So, over the last two weeks, we talked about our first two values. Uh, Value number one is that we are a church that celebrates grace. So many of the people who come to the Gwinnett Church of Christ come here because they have been wounded by life. And this happens for a lot of different reasons. Maybe you've been hurt at your last church. Uh, Maybe you have some self-inflicted wounds that you're carrying. Maybe there's other things that were just beyond your control that caused you pain. This is a place of healing. What we want more than anything else, if we could only be known for one thing, it would be that we are a church that is a healing place that celebrates God's grace. Fair enough? I'm missing JJ. I don't have my amens this morning, okay? Y'all are going to have to be a little louder than that. Pick up the slack. All right. Uh, Number two, we are a church with a commitment to growth. Okay, we recognize that everybody's coming here from a different place in life. Uh, Some of you were raised in church. Some of you uh, didn't know anything about Jesus before you came here. And we recognize that all of us are on different paths in our walk with Jesus. And we're very okay with that, but we don't want to stay where we are. We all want to be on a path that is continuing to grow us closer to Jesus. And so as a church, we all want to be growing as individuals. And then also as a group, we want to commit to grow. And so we have a lot of ministries that are here uh, where we're part of reaching out to this local community, where we're part of supporting each other. Uh, And then also we are involved in church growth on a global scale. Right? We have our missions that are going on in places like Austria um, and Ghana where we're digging wells and things that we are a part of around the world as we recognize that God's kingdom is so much bigger than even just what we see here with each other. Right? Celebrate grace. Commit to grow. Uh, number three, our third value central to who we are as a church is certainly related to the first two. And hopefully if you paid attention to the songs, you've already figured this out. But it's to build authentic relationships. Okay, Build authentic relationships. This church is supposed to be a loving family of brothers and sisters. And we want to be intentional about that and we want to take that very seriously. So, uh, to get at this point, I want you, if you haven't already done so, get out your Bible and turn it to the book of 1 John, towards the very end of your Bible. And I don't want to get uh, too far into the weeds on this, since this isn't really a sermon on 1 John. Uh, But the Apostle John is writing, probably towards the end of his life, 
and he's writing to several different churches, and the churches he's writing to are extremely fragmented. Also, the churches he's writing to are very small. Uh, They're usually meeting in houses, okay, so the, the size of the church would be limited to what you could fit into your living room in the ancient world. They also, these churches feel like they're very isolated. As Christians, they're living in a culture that is hostile to their faith. They're undergoing various levels of persecution. Most of the people around them don't believe in the gospel and don't want to have anything to do with this Jesus person. Okay, so basically, it's really hard to make it as a group when all of this is going on, right? How do you as a church continue to thrive? How do you as a church continue to grow when this is your reality? And part of the reason why I care so much about 1 John as a letter is because our modern culture is becoming more and more like this right? Our churches are looking more like this than they used to in decades past. So what do you do? Okay, when we're in this kind of environment, how do we continue to grow? How do we continue to be the kind of people that God has called us to be? Okay, and the main point of John, okay, all three of the letters of John really have one central point is he's writing, telling a church how to deal with this, and his one point is love each other. You want to deal with being fragmented? You want to be, deal with being isolated? You want to deal with a hostile culture? The absolute best way you can combat all of that is if you love each other. What is it that sustains you in hard times? Okay, when life really gets tough and you're not sure if you're going to make it, what gets you through? Is it having one more Bible study? No. Is it having one more good worship service? No. Is it one good church program? No. What's going to sustain you? It's loving each other. It's community. It's being part of a community that actually walks together and loves each other. And the thing that John is contending is that if we get this right, everything else we do as a church tends to fall into place. Okay? If we can have the kind of relationships that are described in Scripture, then the other problems that churches tend to run into will resolve themselves. Does that work? That makes sense? I'm still missing JJ. We need some something. All right. Okay, but what is love, and how do we do this? Okay, how do we love with the kind of love that John is describing? Uh, he writes about this in several places. One of them is starting in chapter 3 and verse 16. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Okay, so when we're talking about real Christian love, this isn't sentimentality. Right? This is not a warm, fuzzy feeling that you have in your heart somewhere. Uh, this is not the kind of thing you put on the back of a Hallmark card. Okay? John tells us that Christ-like love loves with actions and in truth. In other words, he says, you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus didn't just talk a good game. Right? How did Jesus love people? Okay, he loved people so far that he was willing to lay down his life for us. Okay, this is more than just being nice to people. Right? We are called to something much deeper and much more meaningful. Okay, so as we think about us as a church, as we think about GCC, as we think about where we're going into the future, 
Hey, are we willing to love each other at that level? Okay, if we're talking about authentic relationships, if we're talking about being brothers and sisters, are we willing to love the people in this room the way that Jesus loved us? I see like seven people nodding at me. I'm going to need a whole lot more than that before we can keep moving, okay? Are we willing to love each other? Are we willing to really put this thing first? If we're not, then there's no reason for us to be here today, okay? All right, Uh, and before we start talking more about some specifics for how to do that here, I want us to admit at the very outset that relationships are hard. Okay, uh, it's easy to smile at each other in the hallway here. It's easy to shake people's hands and say, oh, how you doing? Oh, it's great. Um, that's easy. Authentic relationships are not easy. Uh, I read a great article this week um, about how the internet has made us more relationship-oriented than any other generation in history, and yet we're also lonelier than any other generation in history. Okay, paradoxically, we are more connected than ever. At the same time, we are more disconnected than ever. Uh, And this article listed a lot of different reasons for this, but you could basically summarize them into two. And I think this is two reasons authentic relationships are especially hard for us today. Uh, Number one is that we have a higher quantity, but a lower quality of relationships. In other words, I've got my thousand plus best friends on Facebook, right? Um, You know, I'm sure if I was on Instagram, I would immediately have thousands and thousands of followers, right? Since that's mostly the quality of how good you look, and so I would obviously get lots and lot. okay? Right. Most of us are really good at having surface-level relationships with a lot of people, but we are not nearly as good at having deep relationships with a few people. Okay, because out of those thousands of people that you may interact with on the internet, how many of them could you call if the bottom fell out of your life tonight? If something really happened tonight and you really needed somebody's help, how many people could you actually call? And that's the list of your real friends, right? Okay, we are a mile wide and an inch deep, and that's part of why authentic relationships are hard. All right, number two. Uh, Screen time interferes with our ability to read people. Okay. Uh, and, what, by, and listen to me carefully, all of you boomers in the room, because uh, this article is very clear on this. This is not a millennial problem, okay? Y'all are just as bad as your kids are, okay? David, I see you shaking your head back there. The research is clear. Y'all are just as bad as the generation that follows you is bad, okay? Put your phone back in your pocket, all right? I can see you when y'all do that, but okay, um, Yeah, no, what it is, and and this article is very interesting. It talked about how it only takes about five days with a smartphone before we lose the ability to read social cues amongst people around us. And if you take away someone's smartphone, it takes them about five days to start reading people around them better than they could five days prior. It's that fast. Okay, Part of what's happening is our society moves more and more towards looking at screens All of the time is we're losing the ability to interact face-to-face with people at the same level as previous generations. Okay, let's be completely honest. Um, And and again, we're all family. We all love each other, and there's no judgment here. Uh, How many of you have looked at your phone since I got up here? And a bunch of y'all are lying because I can, again, I can see when you're looking at your phone. I know better. Okay? Okay. I know your Bible's on your phone, I'm sure. That's fine, 
It's also on the screen, so you don't actually need to look it up that way either. Now, this is actually not a cause for panic. Uh, I will be the first one to tell you that you can have my Google Pixel when you pry it from my cold, dead fingers. Right? I'm not advocating that we completely abandon our screens because, one, that's not realistic, and, two, that's not really the direction we're wanting to go. Okay, what this is a cause for us to say, though, is that relationships are hard, but they are important enough that it requires us to be intentional if we're going to form real, authentic, deep relationships. Okay? We can do this if we want to, but we have to want to. Okay, because at the end of the day, I don't really care whether or not you have a thousand connections on Instagram, but I care deeply that you do have a few close relationships with your brothers and sisters in Jesus. Okay? But again, this takes work. Uh, this is not going to happen by accident. This is kind of like how we talked about last week. Uh, you know, everyone likes the idea of growth more than they like the idea of doing the work necessary for growth. Right? We all like the idea of authentic relationships, but we're not nearly as excited about doing the work necessary to create authentic relationships. And yet this is important enough for us to, to be intentional about it, to do this, to make this a priority in our lives. All right? So, uh, I've got six points on how we're going to do this. You thought you were going to get out on time, but uh, six whole points. So if you're taking notes on your bulletin, write these down. And actually, they're quick. You'll be fine. Uh, by the way, that was from Psychology Today, if you didn't catch that. All right. All right. Authentic relationships require, and again, this is not exhaustive, uh, but this is some of the things and the ways that we want to lean into it here at GCC. Okay, one, authentic relationships require you to silence the ringer on your phone. They also require time with each other. Okay, authentic relationships require time with each other. There is no substitute for time spent together if you want to have real relationships. Okay, and we can talk about quality time all day long, uh, but at the end of the day, what matters is real time with other people. Because uh, we talk about quality time sometimes, if that's the magic fix, but I want you to imagine that I went to my wife and told her, you know what, I'm only going to be home one night a week from now on, but it's going to be quality time. How well do you think that would go over? Yeah, not well. Or I want you to imagine that you go to your boss at work and say, you know, I've been putting in 40 hours every week, uh, but I hadn't really been giving it my all. Uh, so what I'm going to start doing, boss, is I'm going to go down to 20 hours a week, but it's going to be quality time. Okay? You think your boss would be okay with that? Not so much, right? Your boss would say, no, I don't want just quality time. I want quantity and quality time, right? We need to be spending real time together. You cannot build relationships of any real depth unless you're willing to spend some time together. And this dovetails nicely with what we talked about last week uh, and our commitment to grow. Because we, when we read about the first church, when we read the book of Acts and read about how they did church together— uh, was it something they could do in an hour a week? No, uh, not even close. They were devoted to each other. They were spending time together. They were spending time together daily in order to form the kind of relationships that they needed to sustain themselves as a group of Jesus people in a world that was hostile to their message. If we're going to continue to grow as a church, we've got to spend time together. Uh, part of our ask in this entire series is that you would spend more time and intentionality with us as a church. 
Okay, plug into our Bible classes. Uh, be part of our small groups that meet every week. Be part of the various ministries we've got. We've got a lot of things going on around here. Uh, again, trunk or treat is tonight. Be here. Okay? You get to rub elbows with each other. If you're only here for worship a couple of Sundays a month, and if you come in late and leave early, you will never build authentic relationships. Okay? You will miss out on part of what makes this really a special place. All right, number next uh, is serving together. How many of you who were involved in our Living the Sermon Day a few weeks ago know someone better now than you knew before Living the Sermon, right? Okay, there's something that happens when we work alongside each other that draws us closer together than we ever could be just talking in the back of the auditorium at the end of church, right? Um, I was thinking about this and thinking about the last couple Living the Sermon Days. I actually have gotten to know Dave Curtin better over two Living the Sermon Days than I think I have in the rest of the six years I've been here combined, Right? There's something about working together that draws people closer, right? Turns out he's actually a nice guy, right? <laughs> you just got to give him a chance. It's good. Uh, tangent. This is for free. This is not on your list. It's not on the slide. Uh, but there's a lot of people that say they don't like big churches, okay? And they say that for a lot of reasons. And part of why they say they don't like big churches is because they feel like they can come and go and no one knows whether they were there or not, and they feel like they can be anonymous at a big church, okay? And so they like smaller churches because they get to know people better, okay? The truth is, it's not that people don't like big churches. They don't like being at a church where they're not known, right? And the real goal of what we're doing here is not to know everybody, but the goal is to be known by somebody, right? And we can do that no matter how big or small we are as a church. Uh, and you can be anonymous at a small church just like you can at a big church if you try, right? Okay, this is about spending time together. It's about serving together. It's about being known and knowing the people around you. All right, I saved the hardest one for third, uh, and that is authentic relationships require vulnerability. Uh, if you're only going to hear me say one thing this morning, let it be this. The quality of your relationships is largely a mirror of how vulnerable you are willing to be with other Christians. Okay. You know, I've been preaching for a lot of years now, uh, and by far the stories that I tell that get the biggest reactions out of people are the self-deprecating stories. Okay. You know that because I have a lot of them, right? Uh, whenever I talk about how I got angry when I shouldn't have or how I said something really stupid to my wife or how I have no idea what I'm doing raising my heathen children, right? Okay, those stories are the ones that get the biggest response. Okay, why? Okay, because we go through life thinking that people are going to admire us for our strengths, but that's not what happens. What happens is people identify with us in our weaknesses, it's when we share our weaknesses that we connect better than when we ever try to just be strong all of the time. So are we willing to be vulnerable? Okay, so part of this is we've got to learn how to own our own mistakes, right? We've got to learn how to own our own junk. We've got to learn how to own our own baggage. Ultimately, we have to minister out of our weaknesses. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, again, you've got baggage that you brought in here with you. Guess what? Everybody else does too right? You're not alone in that. All of us have different stories that we bring with us, 
And we recognize it is often out of our woundedness that God best equips us to minister to one another. We are not a perfect church filled with perfect people. And so we very intentionally seek to create an environment where we can be transparent with each other and drop our pretensions and know that this is not a judgy church, right? No one's going to judge you because you struggle. That's just not who we are, and that's not who we ever want to be, okay? We want to be a church where it is safe to be vulnerable. All right, number four uh, is extending grace to others. Authentic relationships require extending grace to others. We've already had an entire sermon on this point, so I won't rehash all of that, Uh, but if you're not a church that celebrates grace, then you're not going to be a church that enjoys deep relationships, okay? So again, we always want to be a grace-filled church. Uh, Number next, number five. Authentic relationships require making room for people who aren't like us. All right. Uh, Back at the beginning of this school year, the 2019 school year, uh, in Florida, there's an elementary school called the Altamont Elementary School. And at that particular school, they decided to have a college colors day where they invited all of the students to wear college colors from their favorite sports teams, and then they could all represent them and celebrate their favorite college teams as they all came to school that day. And one little boy went to his teacher and said that what he really wanted to do was wear a Tennessee Volunteers t-shirt, but he didn't have one. And so the teacher told him that he could just wear an orange shirt, if he had any kind of orange shirt, that that would be great. And so the day finally came where he came to school and he wore his orange shirt. And since he didn't have an actual University of Tennessee shirt, he made his own logo. Okay, he made his own UT logo and put it on his orange shirt. And as soon as he walked in the door, the teacher praised him for his creativity, his ingenuity, and said, man, that's phenomenal. You look so good. And everything was great. Everything was fine until the little boy went to lunch sat down at a table, and then all of the girls at the table next to him started making fun of his stupid homemade shirt. Crushed his spirit. Uh, He came back running to his classroom crying, and his teacher had to encourage him and tell him it's okay, kids can be mean sometimes, and try to make him feel better. So, Uh, The teacher thought that story was an interesting story, and so she posted it to Twitter and said, isn't it sad that this kid doesn't have a proper UT shirt that he can wear for his school day? Uh, And before she knew it, the post went viral, and it caught the attention of the president of the University of Tennessee, who commented on the tweet and then had the university send his entire class a bunch of University of Tennessee swag. UT also decided to take the boy's homemade design and make an official University of Tennessee shirt out of it. And on the day they released it, it sold so many that it crashed Tennessee's online store. Uh, Now, the boy was obviously over the moon, and it's a sad story that has a very happy ending, uh, and everybody feels good about it, right? Now, stories like this one warm our hearts Because how many of us know what it feels like to be that little boy sitting at that lunch table with another group of kids making fun of him? How many of us can identify with the time in our lives where we've been on the outside looking in and all we wanted was to be accepted by somebody else? Part of what makes the church the church is that we don't do that to each other. 
We create an environment where we accept people, even when they don't look like us or have the same things that we do or they don't fit into the way that we think it ought to be in some cases, right? We are the kind of church that accepts people okay, and makes room at the table for everybody, right? Even Tennessee fans, right? Sorry, Brian. What defines us as a community that's different from other types of communities is that everybody is welcome at the table here. And again, we've already talked about grace, uh, and this means that we are all children of God together, uh, and we all have that vulnerability as we come and make authentic relationships. All right, final thought. Authentic relationships also require helping people when they struggle. Helping people when they struggle. Uh, I have told you too many times already about our own hospital struggles with Luke uh, and how we would not have made it if we hadn't had a church family at our back to help us through that stuff, right? Um, There is another family here this morning who is going to need your help in the coming months uh, as they're going to go through some struggles. They don't even know what they're getting ready to face yet, but coming in May, uh, the Custers have a little baby of their own on the way, right? They're going to need our help with that, okay? Uh, First task is picking a name for this baby. Um, The top two contenders for names right now, one is Baby David, which I'm honored. That's that's helpful. Uh, And then the second possible name is Baby Clark, okay, right? And if you don't know the Baby Clark story, I'll tell you later because it's epic. It's awesome. I love it. Here's the thing. You and I were not built to travel this road of life by ourselves. We need each other. There's going to be a day, there's going to be many days in your life where things are not going to go the way that you planned and you will need a family at your back. You will need people to support you. You will need people to walk with you. You will need people to do this thing called life together. And that is part of why we exist as a church. The level of care that we get and have for each other is directly related to the kind of relationships that we are able to to form with each other here. So, my prayer for each one of you, my prayer for myself as well, is that our faith is not something that we just do for an hour a week, but that we are forming real, genuine, authentic relationships for one another, and that because of that, we're able to support each other, we're able to walk together, we're able to grow together, and we're able to be the kind of church that God has called us to be. All right, at this time in our service, We are going to sing a few verses of an invitation song. Uh, During the singing of this song, this is the time where we as the church want to be here for you. Uh, During the song, I'll be down front. David will be down front here with me. Uh, If there's any prayer requests, any special needs that you have, if you'd like to talk with us more about what it means to become a Christian, uh, basically whatever it is that we can do to be the church for you, uh, we want you to come forward and talk to us during this next song. And before we sing that song, I'd like to close us with a word of blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you peace. Let's stand and sing.